In life, there are three things that are certain, death, taxes, and bear markets. For many new options traders, this current bear market we found ourselves in might just be your first. An inconvenient reminder that risk is present when investing, particularly when trading options. But alas, as the old saying goes, it's just part of the game. And my goal today is to make sure that this bear market isn't your last. That's right, I want to help you survive this bear market, maybe even thrive in this volatility, and ensure that you live to trade every bear market that comes in the future. You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you consistently place smarter trades. So again, thank you so much for tuning in today and welcome back to today's show, number 218, where we're going to be talking about how to survive bear markets trading options. This show genesis really came from a number of emails and comments that we've seen from new traders trying to figure out and trying to help get some guidance on navigating their first bear market that we've seen in quite some time. Now, if you haven't been new to options trading, then bear markets is probably nothing new to you. You might have traded through 2008, 2009. You might have traded through some of the little crashes and mini crashes or corrections that we've had, 2015, et cetera. Maybe even traded through 2020 when we had the kind of COVID crash and very quick reaction in the market back up. But this feels a little bit different for most traders. It feels different because we consistently seem to be pushing the lower boundaries of this market, grinding lower in many cases. And so for a lot of traders that are used to trading upward to the right charts that are in bull markets where it's really easy to make money, this seems like a little bit of a tough environment. So what I wanted to do in today's show is just try to help guide you through some of the things you should think about, how you might consider adjusting or tweaking some of your trading strategies so that you not only survive this bear market, which is the first and most important goal here is to make sure you survive and get through this bear market, but that you're also well-prepared and capitalized for the eventual future bear markets that come, because they will come. We did stats before on bear markets in a podcast and how many times markets go down and how many corrections we see. And it's enough to say that corrections happen all the time. Big major market moves lower happen all the time. As we said in the intro, it's just part of the game. And so we just have to realize it's part of the game to begin with. And then we start to build trading strategies and systems around how we navigate these environments. So I wanted to do one thing in today's show, and that's just to break it into what I would think of as two major segments to the podcast. So the first thing that we're going to talk about, kind of the first part of this podcast, is going to be just mostly psychological mindset stuff. So what should you be thinking about? How should you be preparing mentally? What things can you control heading into a bear market, not only for adjusting where you're at now, but also thinking about how you could better set yourself up when the next bear market comes, when we get out of this current bear market and we go into another bear market at some point, which will eventually happen. So that's part one, kind of mindset, trading psychology, all of that. Part two is what might you adjust in your trading? So how might you better position yourself again heading into a bear market, but also when you're in a bear market and stocks are generally trending lower or markets are trending lower, 
what do you do? How do you adjust your portfolio? What levers can you pull? What things can you do to ensure that maybe you survive these environments, that they're not as deep and not as harmful as maybe they've been before in the past, or in some cases that you thrive in these environments and you have strategies that work out. So if you want to think about this particular podcast as having two major segments, that's how you can think about it. That's how I'm going to be breaking it down for you here today. So let's kick it off here and start with the first part of our podcast talking about bear markets and how you can trade around them by just talking through the trading psychology and the mindset that you should have and things that you should be thinking about. Now, I didn't put these in any particular order. There's no, you think about this first, like one, two, three, four, five, whatever. We didn't do that here. I just jotted down a bunch of stuff that I think that you should be considering that I think about often. I see really good traders think about often and things that continuously resurface from the best of the best. The first thing that I've always said, and you can go back to like years ago when I recorded the original courses and videos on Option Alpha that we give away for free, is one of the things I put in one of those videos on surviving black swans and bear markets was this concept around having your seatbelt buckled before you head into a car crash. And it's a really important analogy to use because really you don't know when that's going to happen, right? So I think the challenging thing about black swan events and bear markets generally is that they seem to come up out of nowhere, right? It's little by little and then it's all at once, it seems like overnight or over the course of a couple days. So these environments, they don't really get broadcast. Like nobody says like, hey, by the way, next week there's going to be a bear market, right? We don't know when they're going to come. So really the best preventative thing that you can do is to buckle up and drive in between the lanes, right? So if you're driving down the road, you can't prevent a drunk driver from hitting you. No amount of any safety precautions that you take, they still won't prevent somebody else's recklessness from hitting you. So the best thing that you can do as a trader is to buckle up, have your seatbelt buckled, right? Be driving the speed limit in between the lanes, focus, two hands on the wheel, like, you know, take the analogy as far as you want to take it, but you've got to be prepared heading into it as literally the best medicine for bear markets. So what does that mean? That means having a healthy set of healthy position in cash. We talk about this forever. And one of the guys on our team, when I was Drafting this up, he said, it seems like it's like a Kirk golden rule of like having a lot of cash available. But I think in bear markets, it's very revealing those traders who don't have a lot of cash available and those that do. Because if you don't have a lot of cash available as a backstop, as a cushion to fall back on, and you find yourself very quickly in a very highly leveraged trading product that's moving very fast, and we all know that's a recipe for disaster. So as a reminder, Options trading contracts are highly leveraged, right? You're trading one contract that controls a hundred shares. That's just for one contract. Then you start doing multiple contracts and spreads and undefined risk positions if you do those, right? You can quickly see how you can get yourself into trouble. It also works very well if the markets are going the direction you want, which is why so many people like trading. But we also have to make sure that we look down before we look up, right? Control the risk before we look at the potential returns. And that includes keeping a really health cash position for yourself so that you have that backstop to fall onto. That could include keeping up to, and I would say as a general benchmark, and then you can fluctuate from here, up to 50% of your account in cash. You don't need to trade the entire account to see nice, good, outsized returns with trading because trading is leveraged. So you can keep a pretty healthy cash balance in your account. Now, for some people, if you're trading new, that could mean that you keep 50% someplace else, right? It's in your savings account. It's not directly in your trading account. All I'm saying is just keep some cash on hand so that if you need cash, 
you have access to it and be willing to use it. Don't be afraid to transfer more money over to bolster your cash and your trading account position, particularly in bear markets where volatility is expanding, where margin is expanding across the board. Okay, so that's the second thing. The third thing that I would say to remember right now, and I'm not trying to go in an order, I'm just going in my notes order here, but the third thing to remember here is with regard to position sizing and with regard to probability of success. Now, when you combine these two things together, it's incredibly powerful. And it doesn't mean that it's going to work exactly this way forever, right? So let's not all be so naive enough to know that it's going to work exactly like this forever. But the math really doesn't lie here when it comes to combining position sizing with probability of success with unrelated and non-directional trades, right, where you're trading both sides of the market, it's pretty hard mathematically to blow yourself up trading options. So what do I mean by this? Well, I mean, not only do you keep a good cash balance, which is your final Alamo, your backstop to regain your, your footing and keep trading, but whatever you do trade, you keep very small position sizes. We've talked about this all the time for years and years. And in bear markets and volatile markets, this really comes to the forefront. And most traders finally get that aha moment, that light bulb moment where they're like, oh, that's right. That's why I should be trading small position sizes so I don't blow up on one position. But you have to trade small position sizes. The reason that you have to trade small position sizes is because you have no control over the outcome of your trades. You can just make a high probability calculated bet, essentially, a trade, a, an optimistic, risk-defined or calculated position. But you have no control over the outcome of the trade. So it's mostly going to be math and probability and sequencing and things like that. So you have to understand that going into it, which means that you should control position sizing as the most important thing that you can do when entering positions. What do I mean by this? Let's take an extreme example. Let's say that you are making trades and you make two trades that are 50% probability of success trades. Well, those are okay odds, right? You got a coin flip trade, but how comfortable would you feel if your account was divided directly in half where 50% of your account goes to one trade that has a 50% chance of success and the other half of your account, 50% of your account goes to another trade with only 50-50 odds, right? So now you've got two trades, 100% of your capital allocated, and essentially you've got two coin flips going. Now, if those coins go in the right direction, you're really happy, right? But there's a really good chance that both of those coin flip trades, those 50-50 shots might not work out. And if both of those don't work out in the same month or the same cycle or at the same time, then you're wiped out. I mean, it's literally the most extreme example, right? So now we start backing into something that's more realistic, right? Well, if we don't want to trade 50% of our account in each position or trade that we get into, and we don't want to trade things with maybe a 50% probability of success, well, what can we do? Well, we can reduce our allocation per position that we get into, and we can increase the probability of success of the trades that we do enter. So this is where I say that these things, just they really kind of fit well together. You reduce the position size percentage of every position that you get into. I say something under 5% is a really good target. If you can get to 1% per 
per position that you get into, that's a great target to be at. So if you sell an iron condor, the risk, the total risk in that position should be 1% of your account balance. If you can get, again, five and under, that's great. That really increases the odds of you surviving and thriving in markets as an options trader. So now you reduce the position size of every position that you get into, right? And now what you also do is you're going to couple that with trading higher probability of success trades, selling options, doing that out of the money, making sure that you're checking the probability of success, or if you're trading with bots and option alpha, letting the bots check the probability of success for you before you enter the trade, but basically just doing anything to increase the probability of success of a trade. Don't trade these 50-50 coin flips where you're just trying to guess and see where the market's going to go. You try to buy here and sell there. Like It doesn't work that well that often. So be a smarter trader. Trade with a higher probability of success. Increase your likelihood of success on a trade. And when you combine these two things together, something really powerful happens mathematically. And mathematically, what happens that's so powerful is that you reduce the probability of completely wiping out your account. Now, you also throw on top of this, and I'll just make this for a point, but you throw on top of this trading non-directional and bi-directional, I don't know what the right word is right now, I'm spacing out, but like you trade both sides of the market. So don't trade one directional. Don't do all of your trades bullish, right? Math would still technically work out that way, but you increase the probability of you surviving and thriving by trading both non-directional strategies, so like iron condors, iron butterflies, and directional strategies. You could trade put spreads and call spreads. You trade bullish strategies and bear strategies, right? The market can't be at two places at one time. So you combine these things together and you increase your likelihood of success. So when you combine these two things together to get back on track here with low position sizing, small position sizing, high probability of success. Again, something really powerful happens. We have slides on this on one of the videos we'll put in the show notes so you can go over there and watch this so you can see the probabilities in like a little matrix. But basically what happens is, is that when you have a 70% probability of success, you basically have can calculate the odds of seeing 20 consecutive losers in a row. Now, why this is important, and this is getting deep into the weeds here for some of you that are new traders, but it's super important. So I don't want to gloss over it. I want to skim through it. I want you to understand how it works. If we can calculate the likelihood of seeing or the odds of seeing 20 consecutive losses in a row, then we can effectively back into the likelihood or the odds of blowing up our account. So let me walk through the math here so you understand. If I said to you that every ticker that you trade is no more than 5% of your account. So if you trade SPY, all the positions that you're trading in SPY have to total up to a maximum risk that's 5% of your account. That means you can't trade 10% of your account in SPY, just for this example. And then you would trade some other ticker like TLT and GLD, right, for gold or EEM in emerging markets. So now you're trading a diversified, mostly uncorrelated or as uncorrelated as you can get basket of different ticker symbols. But they all represent 5% of your account. So all the trades that you put together for those tickers each represent 5% of your account. Now the likelihood that you see 20 consecutive losses in a row is basically working your way towards 20 losses, which would be 100% of your account totally wiped out in a row. 
So if you have 20 losses, and if you had 20 losses in a row, and each of those major trades or collections of trades that you make were 5%, you basically wipe out your account with 20 losses in a row. So if that makes sense, now we can start to say, well, if I'm trading something with a 70% chance of success, what are the odds that I actually see 20 consecutive losses in a row? Not that the odds are not there. They're definitely there. Can happen. Might happen for sure. But what are the odds that I see 20 consecutive losses in a row such that if I had 20 trades on, each representing 5% of my account, I would completely wipe out my account. And the math here is actually pretty startling that the odds of seeing 20 consecutive losses with a 70% probability of success is 1 in 28 trillion. That's kind of crazy. So if you actually are trading a diversified basket of tickers and you have trades potentially even all on the same side with 5% of your account, the likelihood that you see 20 losing trades in a row is 1 in 28 trillion. Now, that doesn't mean that it can't happen. It surely can happen because it's not zero, right? So it's really high, low, odd probability event to happen, but it doesn't mean it can't happen. So we still have to make sure that we position size accordingly, and then we start layering in things on top of it, like trading uh, both directions. You trade bull strategies, bear strategies, non-directional strategies, right? That only improves your odds of success. But when I talk about all the time, and particularly new traders, when I talk to new traders about this, it really comes down to just a basic understanding of math, probability, statistics, right? Sequencing. That's really where you can get burned as a trader. Imagine for a second, just to really drive home this point, if all of the trades that you're making right now are bullish trades and you just keep making the same bullish trade and then the market falls for three months in a row, well, it's not going to take too many trades for you to blow yourself up, right? Because you're just, you're really fighting against the current at this point. So you're making all these trades. They're all the wrong direction. They're all too high of position sizing. I mean, you're almost writing your own death certificate at this point, right? So you have to take a more intelligent, more balanced, systematic approach. And I think that starts again with position sizing and then also increasing the probability of success of the trades that you're making. Now, if you're a new trader and you're having difficulty trying to figure out the probability of success of trades, you can actually do this pretty easily right inside of the bots. You can run any opportunity that you might go through and have the bots calculate a probability of success for you. Then only enter trades that meet your criteria. There's a really powerful little tool and decision inside of your bots that you can use on Option Alpha. So you don't have to worry about, am I calculating the probability of success right? You know for sure that the bots are calculating it. And if it meets your criteria for probability of success, then you can let the trade go through and get submitted to your broker. Okay, next thing that you should be thinking about, and I call this one, and this is another little analogy because you guys know I love analogies, but this one to me is you should be thinking about down and distance. Now, this goes back to the days of being a quarterback, and, and I've talked about this before on other podcasts, but when you're in a game, and you could use any sort of analogy, it doesn't work just like this, but in American football, right, you have quarterbacks who are in control of, you know, setting the pace for the offense and setting controls and changing up plays midstream, right? But the most important thing for a quarterback is to have an awareness of down and distance. Like, where are we on the field? What's the down and distance? What's the game like clock? Where are we at? Are we in the first quarter, the last quarter? Are we down by three? Like, is it first and seven, first and three, second and three? 
Like it's just a situational awareness that you need to be in. Now, I don't think that there's any quick fix to this as a trader. I don't think there's something where I can say like, you just look at this thing every morning and then you have perfect awareness of the market. No, I think it's just keeping your head above water, like keeping your head up and just being cognizant and aware of what's going on. Do we have a Fed meeting coming up? Is there a major news story that broke that's moving the markets, right? Like what is the down and distance of the environment that I'm in? Because not that that necessarily means that you have to change what you're doing because you don't have to change what you're doing, but you should have an awareness of, oh, the markets are moving a little bit faster today because the Fed just spoke. Oh, the markets are moving because we're coming into earnings season, right? So I should expect them to be a little bit more volatile, right? And the analogy to get back to football is like, well, if you're, you know, if it's third and 10 and you've got a long way to go, you might expect a little bit of pressure. You might expect a blitz from the defense, right? You might expect them to to send a couple extra men and try to get you because you got to go even further, right? Versus if it's, you know, third and one and you've only got to get one yard to get a first down, you might not expect a full on blitz. They might still just play back a little bit because they know it's a little bit easier for you to get that first down. So it's just having an awareness of down and distance as a trader, I think is super important. Next thing that I want you to have an awareness of is just general market stats. We've talked about this all the time, but it's so important. And I think for me particularly, it's important that I understand the stats around markets. We did a recent workshop on building a flash crash bot. We'll link to it in the show notes so you can go watch the recording on it. But the front part of that workshop that we did with our traders was on stats that we ran. We did some research on how often markets go down intraday, two, three, four, five, six, seven percent, right? And then the reaction that the market has that same day, the next day, the next week, the next month, right? And for me, it was really important that I got that awareness of the market so that I could try to figure out, okay, how do we craft a strategy around large intraday, quote unquote, flash crash moves? So when it comes to bear markets, I think that the same philosophy holds true that the stats that you can find and any research you can find on markets when they go into a bear market or markets that go down or even large intraday moves can help be a source of comfort, a source of stability, a guidepost for you during these trading environments. I'll share one for you that was very insightful for me when our team did the research on large intraday moves. Again, we shared this in the research with in the workshop that we did with our traders, which we'll link to in the show notes. You can watch a copy of that workshop or any of the workshops that we've done before in the past. But basically, when the markets have large intraday moves of more than 4%, so stocks fall 4% intraday, massive move. I mean, that's really a big move during the day, and it doesn't happen that often. When stocks have a big move intraday, the likelihood that they actually end up at the same place in 30 days is pretty high. Actually, to put more context on it, if the market goes 4% lower intraday, the average return after 30 days for the S&P and the market dropping 4% intraday is negative 0.01 in the following 30 days, which again, to me, is very helpful because this lets us know that most of the time or on average, right? Not every time, but on average, markets are pretty flat after a large intraday move. 
So instead of being freaked out about a large intraday move, maybe with this new information, you have an opportunity now to take advantage of a large intraday move, right? That's actually what we did in the bot workshop is we set up a bot that would take advantage of all this new market data around large intraday moves so that it could watch and take advantage of these for you while you were out doing whatever if they happened and you weren't paying attention. But now you could use this data to lean on and take advantage of potential trading opportunities. Maybe you sell a really wide iron condor 30, 45 days out when the market has a large intraday move. Now we're using stats and numbers to help inform and guide some of our trading decisions that we're making versus just being overly emotional about it and avoiding the markets completely. This also is very helpful for me in understanding that large volatility tends to cluster around market volatility. So when we get large intraday moves, we're likely to see more large intraday moves, right? That doesn't necessarily mean we have to take advantage of those all the time, but it is helpful for understanding that volatility kind of like begets more volatility. So now I know when there's volatility, I don't have to freak out so much when the next day is really volatile because I know it's likely to happen. So to me, again, just to like circle back, an understanding of market stats around bear markets, high volatility drop, like market environments, big intraday moves, that to me personally, and this is just me speaking personally now, is very comforting to me to know this type of information. I tend to like the numbers and stats around it because it gives me confidence. It helps calms me down. I don't get so emotional around these days and these environments because I know the stats around them, like what's likely to happen or how things are likely maybe to turn around or not or whatever the case is. So whatever that is for you, I would encourage you to spend some time going down a little bit of a rabbit hole on just understanding different market stats and understanding what happens in different market environments so that it gives you a frame of reference for the next time that it happens. Not that it'll happen the same way, of course, because it probably won't, right? But it'll help give you a frame of reference of what to expect. Next thing that we want to talk about when something you should be thinking about, I guess, when trading in bear markets is, do you have option strategies that are adaptable? You know, this is one of those easy, like no-brainer ones that a new trader should start to deploy, which is to trade strategies that work in multiple environments. Or if nothing else, have strategies on tap, on bench, if you will, that you can start to deploy when markets change. So if you really like trading bullish, short put spread strategies where you're just selling out the money premium when the markets are trending and moving higher, that's great. But again, you're writing your own death certificate as a trader, as an investor, if that's your only tool in your toolbox. So now is the time to start learning about different option strategies and how you can start to deploy different strategies for different environments. Remember, option strategies are so amazing because they are so adaptable and flexible. Unlike anything else that you can invest in, you can quickly reallocate and shift your entire portfolio. And now you can do it automated through bots if you wanted to, just based on different trends or indicators that you might use for your trading. So something you should think about is how adaptable are your strategies right now? Do you have strategies that might take advantage of market drops or high volatility? And if you don't, how could you find some templates that you can clone and edit and modify or strategies that you can learn so that when these times continue to persist, if they do continue to persist, or when they come again, you're ready for those environments. 
The next thing you can do in a bear market if you're trading options is use options to protect and hedge any long equity positions that you have. This often isn't talked about enough, but if you have some long equity positions, maybe you've got these positions that you've been in for a long time and you don't want to get out of them and you're just kind of riding through the roller coaster of positions, you can still use options as a great hedge for those positions. Particularly, we're talking about selling covered calls on positions that you have where you own a lot of equity. Why not sell a far out of the money covered call and help reduce the risk, increase the probability of success on that position and help hedge that position and start eating away at the cost basis by selling that covered call premium. You can also do things like selling synthetic spreads where you sell a call option and buy a put option for no cost. This is the costless caller that we've talked about in other podcasts. Again, we'll link to it in the show notes, but that's a great way to help, again, not completely eliminate risk, but help hedge and reduce some of the risk in these large market down moves and high volatility environments. A costless caller is a great strategy to deploy if you've got a large equity position and you want to start hedging it again with options. Two other things to consider here, and then we'll go to the second part of our show where we'll talk about how you might adjust trading, even though we talked about it a little bit here, but it wasn't necessarily focused. But the other thing is get comfortable sitting on your hands if that's part of your core strategy. I say this because I feel like many traders, myself included, sometimes get a little bit stir crazy if we're not doing something. If we're not trading, if we're not building bots in our case or running trading strategies, we feel like we're not being productive, like there's some missed opportunity. But that's okay if our core strategy is to not trade during these high volatility, bear market environments, downtrends, whatever you define it as. Get comfortable sitting on your hands. I can tell you right now, I'm running a strategy that I've run for a while now. We talked about on the podcast, which is the trendy short put spread. The trendy short put spread strategy was specifically designed. If you even go back to listen to the show about the genesis of it and where it came from and how we developed it and all that, it was specifically designed to trade in uptrending long-term stocks that are moving above their 50, their 200-day moving average. Well, a lot of those stocks are not moving above their 200-day moving average right now. A lot of stocks are in a technical downtrend if we use that long-term trend 200-day moving average as our guidepost. So for the last couple of months now, the trendy short put spread turned itself off, basically went into dormant mode and is just watching all of the stocks that it has in its basket, right? And seeing if any of them regain their 200-day moving average. And then at that point, it can start evaluating and making trades. But it's been a little bit uncomfortable at certain points because it's not doing anything, right? So the bot is sitting there, it's running, it's doing what it should do, what I told it to do, which is to not do anything in a downtrend. But you have to get comfortable sitting on your hands for some strategies. If part of your core strategy is to buy things in an uptrend or sell premium in an uptrend, if that's your core strategy, and it shouldn't be your only strategy, but if it's the basis of what you do, then maybe this is just the environment that you just take a seat for a little bit and watch from the sidelines. And by the way, that's okay if you want to do that. Totally fine if you want to do that. Try to have some other strategies that might trade around these environments, but if your core strategy is up and to the right, you only trade in uptrending markets, not only is that a little bit dangerous just to have it as your core strategy, but if it is part of your core strategy, it's okay to sit and be comfortable on your hands. The last thing I'll tell you before we get into adjusting your trading strategy or thinking about adjusting your trading strategy is just to think about what a bear market is for you. What defines a bear market for you? Now, you can use the classic market terminology around corrections, which are usually a 10% pullback and bear markets are a 20% pullback from the highs. 
But that doesn't mean that that has to be defined as a bear market for you and your strategies. So for example, if you're trading a long duration strategy where you're selling iron condors that are 60 days out or 80 days out, right? Many, many months out in time, your wings of those iron condor strategies might be set up because it's trading so far out and so wide, might be set up so that a 10% pullback never hits any of your wings or challenges your position. So a market correction, I use air finger quotes there, a market correction that you might hear about on the news or see everywhere might just be a blip on the radar for you and your strategy because your strategy is already set up to withstand a 10% pullback, a 15% pullback, a 20% pullback, right? Whatever that is for you, just make sure that you're aware of like what is a bear market for you and your strategy. Now, if you're trading really short duration, zero DTE, one DTE, right? Contracts that are right at the money, very close. A bear market might be a 5% move in one day, right? That might annihilate positions that you're in. So I think, again, a situational awareness of what defines a bear market for you and for your core strategies is very helpful, not only as a check and balance against what you're doing and the risk that you're taking, but also when those environments actually happen, which they will, where you get those large moves, that you are prepared to withstand those mentally as a trader and then trade through those environments. Okay, so moving to the second half of our podcast here, what I want to focus on here, more so than the mentality around preparing for it and thinking about it and all that stuff that we talked about earlier, is what do you physically do? Like, what are the action steps or things that you could do in your portfolio moving forward? Now, as always, as a disclaimer, I'm not telling you what to do. This is not, I. you have to do this because Kirk said to do it on a podcast. No, these are just guideposts of things to think about and how you might adjust or tweak or edit or modify your trading strategies moving forward. Number one, get systematic and trade with less emotion. Look, this is a really easy no-brainer one. However you get to that point, you should be getting to the point where you are making less emotional decisions. That doesn't mean no emotional decisions. That doesn't mean that you take yourself completely out of it and close your eyes and blind yourself to the market and say, I will make no decisions, no adjustments. That's not good either, right? But it's making less emotional decisions in the moment. It's pre-planning your trades out. So whatever you're doing, even if you're trading right now in the middle of a bear market, how can you make more systematic rules-based decisions for your trading strategy? Maybe your trading strategy was to take profits at 25%. And now you found that you tend to take profits a little bit earlier because you're scared, because you're scared that your 10% profit might evaporate and might disappear. Well, get back to your rules-based trading and start taking profits at 25%. That's what you said you were going to do. That's what you backtested. That's what your rules are. Do it. Like, Don't let yourself become overly emotional. Follow your rules and your process. If your rules say don't trade when implied volatility is too low or when RSI is too high or when this thing is, just don't do it. Just get back to the basics of trading systematically. The second thing you can do is don't tighten things up too much. Now, this one might be a little bit counterintuitive, but follow me on this because I think you might enjoy this little thought process and exercise. But what I tend to see people do when markets are very volatile is they tighten up. And I think they tighten up because they physically tighten up. Like they can, you can see yourself or feel yourself 
like physically tighten up because you're stressed, because you're anxious or worried or scared about what's going to happen. So the natural thing that people do is they tighten their stop losses. You hear this all the time, like, oh, I'm going to tighten up my stop losses, right? They reduce their profit targets. They do all that. They tighten up their strategy around zero, essentially. They bring in their stop losses. They bring down their profit targets. They basically start trading more around zero. I think you should reconsider that for some of your strategies. Do I think it works in some environments? Of course, sure. But I think for some of your strategies, I'd say don't tighten things up too much. And the reason is, is because when you are in a high implied volatility, high, fast moving market, right, that's moving down where things tend to move faster because they're moving down, you're going to see more swings in your P&L. The bid-ask spreads are going to get wider and everything. Everything is going to swing in a larger pendulum back and forth, right? And so if you tighten up your stop losses, for example, you might tend to hit your stop losses more because you're in a high volatility environment. If you tend to tighten up your profit targets, you might tend to hit your profit targets more, but you're making less money because you've reduced your profit target from 25% to 10%, right? Well, the market can move in 15, 20 minutes one way or the other way, and you could hit either of those very quickly. So I say, don't tighten things up too much. Be cognizant and aware that markets are moving fast, that a massive paper loss right now in an hour could turn into a massive paper gain, right? And then you take it off if you wanted to, right? But markets can move fast. And what I fear for most traders is that they tighten things up so much so that it becomes death by a thousand paper cuts. They have all these little profits and little losses, and it's just they're churning their account. They're not really making any headway. It's like they're treading in the middle of a raging river, right? You're not really doing anything. You're just kind of, you're there with the market. You're getting swept up in things. So don't tighten things up too much. Third thing that you can do, reduce position sizing to compensate for the increased volatility. This kind of piggybacks on what we talked about earlier in the show, but it's so, so important that we do recognize when we're in higher implied volatility markets that we should absolutely reduce our position sizing. If you have a normal position sizing of 5%, cut it down to 3% or 4% or 2% or whatever you're comfortable with because the increased volatility increases the risk. When you have more volatility, there's a higher likelihood that you go to that max loss scenario in your trades. So you need to reduce the position sizing on your trades. Good news is for traders that are using bots and option alpha, you can do this automatically inside of your bots. You can have the bots determine what type of environment we're in, where implied volatility is, where VIX is, where market volatility is for a particular symbol, and then automatically have the bots adjust your position sizing down different branches. If implied volatility is below 50 or above 50 or whatever it is for you, you can have the bots make different decisions, enter the same position if you wanted it to, but in one environment, sell three contracts, in one environment, sell five. You could do one environment, sell 2% of your account, another environment, sell 5% of your account, right? You can do this automatically, but whatever you do, whether you trade manually or trade automated with bots, you have to get into the habit of reducing your position size to compensate for increased volatility. Fourth thing you can do is wait for better trading opportunities. Let the markets come to you. This kind of piggybacks on number two where you talked about don't tighten things up too much and the same would be true for waiting for great opportunities. You don't have to rush into markets, especially when markets are volatile. Something that looks like it's really far away and might encourage you as a manual trader to try to rush and chase after the market to get a fill, 
Don't do that. Let the markets come to you. Markets are wide during high implied volatility. Markets are moving fast. Spreads are really wide or in many cases even going wider during high implied volatility environments. So let the markets come to your pricing. If you don't hit it right away, that's okay. It might be tomorrow. It might be the next day. Remember, volatility tends to increase the likelihood of more volatile events the same day or around the same days anyway. So if it's a really volatile day and you don't get filled, likelihood is it's going to be really volatile the next day. You might get a fill there. Be more patient with your trades. Again, if you're trading with bots and automations, this means that inside of your opportunity recipes that you're telling the bot to check for this bid-ask spread and this probability of success and this rate of return, let the bots do the heavy lifting for you. Let them find that opportunity that meets all your criteria before entering. You don't have to do this. You don't have to emotionally decide. Let the bots monitor it until you can get an opportunity to send a trade-off to your broker. Next thing that you should consider is consider making more frequent trades versus block trading. So the concept around this is that as a trader, because markets are volatile, try to dice up your trades into more frequent entries spaced out over time. This means that if you typically are coming into the markets and you're entering a position of 10 contracts per week, try entering two contracts per day. Now you space that trade out over five trading days, and now you're doing two contracts per day, which means that you can more quickly adjust every set of two contracts to wherever the market is at the time. So I just simply call this just entering more frequent trades versus the traditional approach of block trading. We're entering a large block or order or size or lot, whatever you want to call it, into the market at one time. We typically find that most people who are trading manually tend to do block trading because you don't, maybe you don't get enough time to do trading. So when you do get time, it's like, well, I got to fill it up. Like I got to fill up my trade. So enter 10 contracts, enter 20 contracts here. That doesn't work so well in bear markets, large volatility markets. You want to dice up your trades into more frequent entries spaced out over time. That way, if the market goes down, you can adjust the next set of two and the next set of two and the next set of two as you go. Next thing that you should do is consider if direction does have an impact on your strategy. This is kind of an adjustment that you could make or you could not make to your trading. It's not always the case that if you go into a bear market, you've got to now switch up and change the whole thing that you're doing with your trading. For example, if you are trading really far out of the money put spreads that you're selling, just because you're in a bear market doesn't mean that you need to stop selling out of the money put spreads. That still could work if you're spacing out the trades and you're doing lots of frequent entries and you're really, really high probability of success. It doesn't mean that you have to stop trading that strategy, right? For some trading strategies, market direction doesn't have that big of an impact. If you're trading iron condors, for example, you're really not going to be adjusting your trading strategy too much because you're market neutral all the time. doesn't matter if you're in an uptrend, a downtrend, a sideways trend, a backwards trend, whatever. You're market neutral all the time. So just again, be cognizant of the trading strategy that you're in. Now, the last thing I'll end with here, and this is kind of like a final, hopefully the icing on the cake, if you will, the top of our discussion is when you're trading, I simply want you to do the following. That's number one, accept what you cannot control. This is really hard for traders. And I know because I've done it. And if I've done it, I know every single person listening to this has done it. You've done some sort of version of praying, hoping, like willing the markets to turn around and do what you want to do. But the reality is, is that we cannot control the markets. 
can't control the weather. We can't control the markets. We can't control other people, right? Like we can't control some things. Accept what you can't control as a trader. Now, number two is focus on what you can control in every environment. So even in bear markets, your ability to survive a bear market or thrive in a bear market and allow yourself to continue as a trader is by focusing purely on the things that you can control. In fact, the things that are only in your control, things like the tickers that you trade, the position sizing that you use, the strategies that you deploy, those are all things 100% in your control. And guess what? This is the secret, is that if you can control those things, it will overshadow and outperform the things that you can't control. It's okay you can't control some things. Accept that. Be understanding that those are things that will never be in your control. But as a trader, focus purely on the things you can control. I promise you'll survive, thrive in bear markets, and be here for many, many bear markets to come. So hopefully this discussion was really helpful for you. If you're a new trader, you're an advanced trader, you're an experienced trader, I hope you got one thing out of this discussion on trading and surviving bear markets with options that you can apply and take with you in the next trading day. If it was a very impactful and powerful discussion and you got one thing out of it, or if you like any of the podcasts that we do, please let us know. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Let us know if this helped you out. I hope it did. As always, we'll put all of the links, things that we mentioned in the show here in the show notes over at optionalpha.com slash show 218. Again, just the number 218, optionalpha.com slash show 218. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so again, that's a wrap for this week's podcast episode here at Option Alpha. But before we go, please let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on your favorite social media platform or right inside the community. Let us know what ideas you have, what thoughts came to mind, what new show ideas you want us to create for you here at Option Alpha. Really quickly, I wanted to let you know of a couple new things that we've recently released into the community. By the time that this goes live, we should have already released the new bot wizard, which is super cool, allows you to basically take a new bot idea and have Option Alpha's system create the bot for you. It's a really cool new way of building bots, hopefully one that we think a lot of people will enjoy, especially new traders just getting started with bots. It's a new avenue that you can use to build your bots. All you simply do is start up the bot wizard, tell the bot what ticker you want to trade, how often you want to trade, all your entry and exit criteria, and then you hit the button to create your bot. And it simply creates the bot for you. Build your automations, puts them in the right order, add your scanner and your monitors. And then of course you can add or modify it from there if you want to, but it basically creates the core automated strategy for you based on your specific criteria. We think you guys are really going to love this. And as always, we would love your feedback when you get in there and you start playing around with the new bot wizard. In addition to that, we've also launched the new backtest to bot feature, which is basically using the bot wizard functionality. So if you are a pro or higher member inside of Option Alpha, you can go inside of any backtest that you see in the backtesting database. And in one click, you can create a bot template out of that backtest. This is really cool, groundbreaking technology that we've been wanting to develop and release to you all for a very long time. Just took a lot of work and a lot of engineering and development resources on the back end to make it happen, but it's here now. 
and you can go into any backtest that you've run. Again, click the button to create a bot. It fills out everything for you. You confirm it and create your new bot, and now you have a fully functional automated trading strategy that is using backtest as the basis for creating the strategy. Of course, from here, you can choose to edit, modify, improve, add to, remove, anything that you want. But our goal was to give you a frictionless experience in going from a backtest to a bot. We also have some new decision recipes that we've added into the platform recently, so check those out inside the community. As you can see, we're moving incredibly fast, always adding new ideas and different ways of doing things with bots and starting to release some of these bigger improvements here like bot from a backtest and also the bot wizard, new decision recipes, and we've got some other things still cooking up in the development office for you all here in the future. As always, you can get more information by heading over to the website, following the changelog, or any of the updates that we publish on the website for all of the latest developments and all of the new features for auto trading with Option Alpha. As always, I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to help you consistently place smarter trades. And until next time, happy trading.